Welcome to the Shark Pod, the podcast that explores business and lifestyle design in Ireland and beyond. And now, live from Greystone Studios, here are your hosts, Luke Curry and Mark Baker. What is up, Shark Nation? Welcome to another episode of the Shark Pod live from Greystone Studios, or aka uh, my box room in Greystones. Mark Baker, how are you doing out there in Glenagiri? Very good, Luke. Very good. How are you? Fantastic, fantastic. We've got uh, a, a guest here today. His name is Des Travers. How are you doing, Des? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for thanks for joining us, Des. Where are you, where are you sitting? I'm sitting in my kitchen, unfortunately, with <laughs> COVID now, like everybody else. Uh, although I am classified as an essential worker, so I can't actually leave the building. But I generally, if I'm preaching to the staff to all work from home, I try and do it as much as I can myself. Absolutely. And so just to give an intro to Des, Des is the CEO of DVD Ireland. Um, delivery, everyone's, like you said, everyone's at home. It's such a big trend. It's such a big uh, industry now, kind of not not overnight, but definitely it's getting into kind of a boom area. Um, how would you describe your role there at DVD? I'm the CEO and I have to just keep everything moving. <laughs> I have a very simple uh, role in the business, to be perfectly honest with you. I have to keep the people moving and I have to keep the parcels moving. So uh, that's my and I don't know about you, Mark, but like DVD, I've I, they seem it seems like it's everywhere now. Um, shout out to Ricardo, the DVD guy that delivers here uh, in Greystones. Always, always a joy. I see him in the gym sometimes as well. He does hog uh, a certain machine for shoulders. I'm gonna maybe call him out on the Shark Pod for that and maybe send that over. But shout out to Ricardo. Um, what's the What's the growth been like in the last year for you guys? Has it been crazy? Has it been stressful, exciting? What's the story there? It must be nuts. It's probably been a mix of all of them. But it's interesting you say that one of our great uh, successes of this year and of last year is that nearly everybody knows the first name of their driver. So you know Ricardo. And everybody knows a Ricardo are there. And that's been one of the things that we really try and develop in the business, this personal touch that people, you know, we, we are... The people know he's coming, they know the projectile, he knows all the stuff about We have a, a cyber weekend peak, which is about 40% increase in our normal volume. And we all know that's coming and everybody in the industry knows it's coming. So you plan that to death and you make sure you get that right for the following year. But this year we had a peak in March and April, we had a peak in September. We've had the COVID peak and I'm uh, sorry, the Black Friday peak. And now we're having another peak now in January with everybody being at home. It's so in the first uh, in the first instance when it came out in March did you guys kind of see that coming a little bit are you guys always trying to predict what the I know it's hard to predict uh, this type of thing but did you have I've got to tell you a funny story right so we spent the first two weeks preparing a crash plan okay. right and I, and I should have gone to the beach and lay in the beach because I didn't know after that I would never be able to lay in the beach for another 18 months or so yeah. but what a waste of time that was we prepared <laughs> The worst case scenario, we prepared furloughing people, we prepared laying people off. We took it in a circular mode. So if we lose 25%, this is what we'll do. If we lose 50%, this is what we'll do. If we lose more than 50%, we're closing the doors, that type of scenario. And we sent it off, we're owned by La Poste. We sent it off to France and two weeks later, we threw it in the bin. 
<laughs> we started start seeing these enormous volumes coming through the business. And look, every online retailer in the UK or in Ireland has seen a fantastic, phenomenal boom to their business. And we are very fortunate that we carry a lot of those parcels. Absolutely. And the one of the one of the things that I've always wondered is because I like today I got three different deliveries. One was from Unpost, one was from uh, uh, UPS, and one was from uh, DPD. I don't understand how that business works. As in, say if I'm a, a retailer, an online re- retailer, do I have a, a contract with one of those guys, or is there like a central point? Do you guys get uh, like contracted out by like the the national post office? How how does that work? Well, there's a multitude of things there, but the main thing is that we're all in commercial uh, business and we're competing against those guys that you just mentioned, right? That's your first fault, by the way, mentioning our competitors on here. But anyway, <laughs> that side, um, we, we, we will be in competition with all of them. We fight our corner with our service and our quality and our delivery commitments and all those sort of things. And then the, cost, or the shipper then would decide and indeed, some big shippers decide to have a backup carrier, a carrier, a main carrier, and then a backup carrier, and then and then others then uh, determine on could determine on price, can determine on the quality of service. It's, there's a whole load of choices for people out there, and uh, and we have 22 people either on the road or on the telesales phone and cre- chasing new business every day. Okay, because that was going to be my next question. Is there a big sales element to this where, you know, yeah. you've got to manage these account account management style business? Yeah, there's a whole uh, envelope thing. So if we take you through that journey, we have uh, 22 salespeople all selling, all have a role on every week, all have to generate the new business. They'll generate uh, the, business, the new business coming into the business. They'll hold on to the account for 13 weeks. Uh, trades for 13 weeks and they get paid a commission, quite a, a sizable commission uh, for uh, delivering that revenue into the business. They then hand it over to the CRM team, which is customer customer retention management, and they then take on the account and then they mind the account and make sure that the account stays with us. And we've been very successful. 96% of our customers once to join us stay with us. Unbelievable. And is all this going on in the background when you get your, your package at the door? Do you know what I mean? It's something That's that right. you know, I never really think about. It's just like, oh, you yeah. know, this guy's uh, Ricardo's just dropping this off. Um, amazing. So, like, Mark, have you been getting way more packages than, than usual? What do you think? Yeah, I think everybody has. Well, I've, I've been looking at my... Because you can't go anywhere and you can't mm-hmm. go to the shops, that's obvious. But I'm stuck here, again, in my home office, which is the box room, looking out the window. The amount of times I'm seeing delivery trucks just go in and, mm-hmm. and out of next every single house on the on the whole road. A lot of uh, kind of boohoo.com and a lot of people trying on clothes, giving <laughs> it back. Yeah. And it's just become a, like that That didn't exist a few years ago. You know, trying clothes on and give, sending things back. Once you got it in the post, you just be like, that's it. But like it's, it seems to be evolving every day. And, and I don't know what direction it's going in, but it's I suppose the most important thing for people are getting it intact, their, their product intact with speed. And yeah. I, I assume that's one of the biggest concerns that you, that you well, guys have is Well, speed. the thing about it is the certainty rather than the speed. So the speed, we are, we are as quick as anybody else in the marketplace, but I think the difference is the certainty. If you know that when you go online, you're going to order it, it's going to come to you, the DVD driver is going to be well-dressed in the van, full livery, you know, with the proper unit uh, to be able to, uh, we don't do, uh, we do contactless now delivery. So you no longer sign the the pad to be able to uh, sign for it. But you've got a certainty, you know, whatever it's coming, you know, when it's coming, you know, who sent it, 
you know all those things about it. So it happens, and you are kind of a little bit delighted when you order something from anywhere, really, for that matter. It doesn't have to be a UK website or an Irish website, and it just rocks up the following day. And when you've got that great experience at the final mile, then that tends to you to go back to that again, and people form habits. And once you start a habit online, then effectively then the numbers just start to rock up. That's what happens. I love that. It definitely, the habit is really ingrained in people now. I never really shopped online that much and uh i'd be kind of i work in technology and stuff like that so i'd be kind of a good candidate for that or a good profile as, as you think but um i'd only order some things online now it's ev- absolutely everything even uh when things opened i didn't really go back to doing the shopping like I, right now like thinking of uh christmas shopping in person i would just be like i can just sit at home and do all this really quickly avoid queues and that type of thing um but it's i wonder are you guys planning for this to uh, take a dip maybe when things open up when the vaccines kick in probably like sometimes next next year um yeah. the way things are going or do well, you think there's going to be some uh, stickiness yeah i think there'll be a mixture look bricks and mortars everybody would like to write off bricks and mortar now right and i do feel sorry i mean you know we we in our business don't complain about the volumes and the, the stress and everything else that brings that because we know there's a lot of people sitting at home right, that they, are working in those shops and part of those businesses and they're looking at it and saying, will we ever open again? And if we do open again, what will we be like? What size will we be? Right, all that sort of stuff. So they're the people with stress in their lives. Hmm. Now, we're not, we don't have stress in our lives like that. You're not worrying about the pay packet and, and you know, what's going to happen in terms of your security and all that sort of stuff. But but there'll always be a place for the, uh, for the bricks and mortar. But I think now what's happened is that Nearly everybody's ordering online. You know, the granny and the granddad's ordering online. The, you know, the 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 kids are basically, uh, you know, they they already got your credit card and it's already switched into their accounts and they know where they're going and they're buying and and all of this is now all just sort of started a bit of a revolution towards what will become the norm in the future, which will be that basically you'll, you know, and, and you hear some people do it now where they go into a shop, try something on, and then they go back and they order it online because they find it's cheaper online and all this sort of stuff there's a whole load of different behaviors all beginning to happen uh, in there and and look you take somebody like let me give you an example you take somebody like nike now we're a big and uh, we deliver all the nike shoes here in ireland right and they tell me that all they have to do to double their volume of shoes in ireland is put a 40 percent sale on their website wow so 40 percent sale bang out it goes following day twice as many orders is is uh, is available there, and it doesn't matter what you've got in the shops, right? You won't compete with a forty percent sale on Nike, right? And they know that, and they know that they can control that market, and they know that they can control that uh, that desire and spend, and also effectively then can control the revenue through their business. So, so there's there's trends like that that are going to happen. Black Friday, will, you know, Black Friday will become. Uh, in some places, right, a bit of a norm across the piece because when they have to actually generate more sales, it's not like they have to go and put some sales stickers up on the mm-hmm. windows or anything like that. They just have to stick a uh, 30% markdown on their website and all of a sudden the orders just come thumping through the door. That's amazing. This is Because it's something that we and me and Mark have been trying to crack the, the e-commerce thing for a long time. I had a, a couple of ill-fated uh e-commerce businesses about 15 years ago that didn't really work out a little bit early maybe but uh, uh and mark me and mark have been selling t-shirts online uh, as well through amazon so like 
we yeah. uh, we we see that the, the power of that. It's kind of the dream to have this kind of a virtual business where there's just a warehouse somewhere and you're just sending out orders all the time. Um, yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of business out there that can scale by using uh, delivery services. So I can worry that's it's something that one thing that they don't have to worry about. It's kind of like we'll just buy that in from a DVD, you know. Um, so loads and loads of uh, loads and loads of. Uh, growth potential there for people if they're thinking yeah. about that you know? yeah, i think it's interesting so so i think people like that first thought well look i just have to put a lovely website together I have to sell at the right price right and then i have to do the picking and packing and get it delivered right and the job's finished but really it's not right because it is all about the customer experience mm. right the lovely website's only good enough if you've got the right number of clicks and it's easy to pay and it's easy to get it back again and all that so it's not as simple as everybody would just like to think that you can start a website tomorrow, right? And you, you're, you know, the rest of your problems are behind you. You know, there's a lot more to it for these businesses to actually uh, get themselves successful and get enough scale and enough volume and a cheap enough picking process and a cheap enough delivery service so they can make a margin. There's a there's a there's a heap of work involved in that now, rather than just, well, we'll start up a new business selling t-shirts tomorrow. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because a lot of the the media in Ireland has been pushing that narrative to those 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 companies that are in trouble, like you mentioned before, that are not able to brick and mortar is ones that aren't able to open. They say you know they they need to move online. That's not if, without the audience or without the the creative or budget for advertising or you know uh, uh, yeah. SEO stuff. There's a lot you can't do it overnight <laughs> as no. well. Like a lot of companies are doing this a long time, and then. You have the mom and pop shops that were set told, oh, you should just go online now mm. that this has happened. It's not as easy as that. It takes time to build up the SEO, uh, you know, validity and all that kind of stuff as well. Um, so it's tough. But once you crack it, it's very, very lucrative. Yeah. As I say, there's more failures than successes, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, so, where's Evan Burke? I was going to say, would the majority of, of your clients be like, would there be the huge businesses and then there's the trickle down into the smaller businesses and then the individuals? Like, I, I assume the, there's a few kind of key players that have most of the market, I'd imagine. Yeah, I don't know about having. So, our market is not just one market across the piece. So, there are seven and a half thousand customers in our trading with us today um, mm. in Ireland. And they could be anybody that's given us one or two parcels a day to people that are given us uh, eight, nine thousand parcels a day. So the eight, nine thousand parcels a day are the brands that you'd all be well aware of. As I say, I've mentioned Nike, you know, JD Sports, O'Neill's, Dunn Stores, you know, Decora. There's, you know, just about every industry that has volume. Basically, uh, we have some, not all the market, but maybe our competitors have uh, more than their fair share, more than I'd like uh, in terms of, uh, of of the marketplace, but. But the reality is, as well, as I say, all these big e-commerce sites that we deal with now are the ones that have saw the pandemic and the growth in COVID in the last 12 months. I mean, we've done four years of growth in a year, and so have they. They've done four years growth in a year. We're at 2024 revenue now, right, compared to uh, where we should be. And uh, and likewise, they're, they're in the same place, right? And the thing, the challenge for us, as I say, I'm not uh, diminishing the other people we spoke about earlier, but the challenge for us is, actually been able to scale up quick enough to be able to deal with that growth. And, you know, I've been putting new depots out there. I've been uh, increasing my hub sortation. I've been cleaning my hub sortation time. I've taken on about 800 people wow. uh, across the wow. piece last September. 
so so these are the type of things. It's not, uh, as I say, a DPD driver that runs down the road. Uh, I now probably have three DPD drivers running down your road, uh, where I used to have one. So uh, so these are all the challenges. But as I say, who's you know who's to complain about that? It's a challenge. It's a uh, it's, it's a nice challenge to have. Absolutely, eight hundred. That's such a that's such an impact on uh, on people's lives. Well, that's a huge number, especially in the year that we've had. Um, and how do you like? How do you even find eight hundred people to and train them? That's a whole other, a whole yeah, other that's, thing, a, that's a different uh, a different world altogether. And look, with some of that because of the speed that we had to do it. Normally, a driver's five days training for us. So he, he comes in the door on a Monday, he gets his new uniform, he gets his van, he does the health and safety. You know, there's a whole routine. There's a whole one day, two day, three day, four day, five day. When we were in the pandemic, I'm afraid we skipped a couple of days because we needed him actually out delivering parcels. So. So we uh, so we did that, and then basically now we're going back and retraining some of the people uh, that we did. Now also, um, we had some people for the peak that didn't work out, and they've since left us, and we have other drivers coming in now, uh, and, and other people. And be truthful, you know, being a driver for DPD is difficult. It's not, you know, anybody thinks that's easy, you know, doing 15, 20 deliveries an hour, right, all with one-hour predict window, right, going from the time you start in the morning to the time you finish at the end of the day. It's not an easy job i certainly couldn't do it now uh, as an example i've got a great admiration for my drivers and my people for the job they do but um but we look we, we find the people out there and i think when there were so many people that were getting laid off then we were one of the good news stories because we could offer some of them employment so it was good absolutely 15 to 20 an hour that's that's yeah. really i suppose like i do see ricardo absolutely legging it around with a smile on his face all over the uh the neighborhood here i watch him because sometimes i see that i have a package coming so i look out the window and then he'll have four or five houses around my house before he hits me you know um so really really interesting and um it's like where do you think this is gonna go do you think you guys are gonna are you planning to go without you know giving away the giving away the state secrets is it another year of 800 people coming on is there a kind of uh a maximum amount that we can do in in Ireland, given the size of the. I, I give you an example. So we're, we're on our busiest day last year. I think we were at two hundred and thirty-five thousand parcels through our hub, and we think that in the next five years we'll double that. Oh my god! Wow. So so in, in five years' time, we hope to be doing half a million parcels a day through our hub. So that doesn't include the parcels that go into Northern Ireland direct from the UK. That's about another seventy or eighty thousand a day. So. Yeah, but it's that sort of scale, that sort of size, and there's no reason at the moment, or there's nothing on the horizon uh, that, that's going to stop us doing that. Basically, we, we will continue to grow and, and develop our business, and uh, and certainly double-digit growth is now the norm in our business anyway. So, the the thought of five hundred thousand packages a day stresses me out. I don't know. <laughs> it's a, it's a, lot of, a lot of moving pieces there, guys. Uh, okay, so I, I, it sounds like it sounds exciting but also there's gonna i'm sure there'll be uh the challenges that come along with that what do you think mark baker yeah like i was thinking before before covid and all this happened i'm sure brexit was was on your radar um how how have you guys dealt with that it's been difficult it's been a difficult journey and things that used to do very simply in September and October now become very difficult and there's a load of admin admin burdens and costs and that and everything else and, and we're all just trying to get our heads around it now. We haven't been we haven't been bad at it, but we've not been as nice and as good as we like to have been with it. The administrative systems between 
our system, the software company, the custom system, the console files that come in from the UK, you've got to get exact data from your customer. You know, at the beginning, the first week, as an example, we were sending one in five parcels back because the customer didn't give us the right information on it. So that'll give you an example of the scale of the problem. But we are in the, and since about the, I'd say about the 14th of January, 15th of January, we got our head, we all got our heads around exactly what was needed and we've been pretty, now are we still happy with it? We've got a lot of work to do to get it. So it's absolutely everything uh, is perfect in our world. But but at the beginning, it was, oh my God, it was just a, it's like going to school every day. It's like a new school day every day. Now yeah. you're in there and you go, this is a, a piece of paper that says that this is the way you design the system and you build the system to that and you've got it right and you go ticked all the boxes for that and then you get into it and work in the system and you find actually, right, that doesn't actually work the way the bit of paper told you it was going to work and uh, and it doesn't quite exactly all fit together, you know, like cogs yeah. in a wheel where one thing needs to integrate with another thing and it just doesn't, it was very clunky, it was very difficult to get stuff through and uh I tell you, my IT team, I take my hats off to them. I, I can't tell you the amount of uh, hours and effort and energy and industry they put in. They put in every weekend for four weekends uh, just to tidy it up, just to clean it up all the time. We did crazy things like we were writing scripts in, in real time and no longer the test system went out the door and basically we had to fix things on the hoof. <laughs> you'd never do in your life and, you, and you're, you would think you have to do it but we had to do it because otherwise we would have just been swamped with parcels so so it became there and and as I say to Caroline and Colin and all the team in the IT team just amazing the job they did amazing it's amazing and so, Joe there's on I think I don't, I'm not sure exactly what date it was it was sometime around Christmas it might have been even Christmas Eve and um, they all came out and said that there's you know they have the deal and all that type of stuff and it's going to be fine you know, go on business as usual. And then me and, me and Mark with our little t-shirt business, we can't get uh, deliveries anymore to Ireland through uh, through Amazon. What the fuck is that? <laughs> like, like, I don't know. Yeah. I know we're talking about a few t-shirts and not a half a million packages, but I mean, yeah. it's something that we didn't really uh, plan for. Then we tried to go through Germany, but because the t-shirts go through the UK to get to Ireland from Germany, it was the same yeah. problem. Like, yeah. it, it wasn't as solved as they led us to believe um, yeah. over Christmas. Like the, the reality, the reality of it was that the common sense thing for them all to do was to give us a transition period of say to June, right, to deal with all these things, right. A little bit of Northern Ireland. They're giving us to April in Northern Ireland, right. But they should have given us all to June, right, to deal with all of this, right, and test it probably and work it all. The political essentiality to get this deal done and get it over the line and get it closed after two and a half years of bickering and crying and moaning and bitching about it, right, effectively, right, made it forced to hand everybody, right, and said they want basically just to do this, right, and then, as I say, we've done this, the, the quickest education you'll ever have is the last 25 days on Brexit, right, <laughs> about what you need to do to get a parcel through, but still, I still think that in two months' time or thereabouts, we'll look back at it and we'll all go, well, you know, it's working now, but it wasn't great then. But, you know, we only had two weeks or three weeks of pain or five weeks of pain or whatever we have, right? And it's in now and it's done. 
and like there's no going back. So you've just got to deal with what you've got to deal with. But I do agree with you and your T-shirt company. I do think you should send them by DPD from Germany into <laughs> Ireland because we don't go through the UK and we would save you all that hassle and we could get them in for you, no problem. So. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be a key account uh, for you guys up there. <laughs> but, I'm looking forward to the revenue. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so there's like, if we go back, you've been in the delivery business for a long time now. We're looking at looking at the the kind of the, the past there as well. Um, started working in FedEx back in the day, right in uh, yeah. in Ireland. How did you get into that? It seems like it's you've made a whole your whole career has been dedicated to making sure people get their stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I've never been out of parcels other than my very first four years after school. So I started a DPD driver, a DHL driver. Sorry. Um, I saw these sales guys all walking around with company cars, right? And I was out delivering parcels. So I thought that was a better bet. So I went to college to learn about salesmanship and marketing and all that sort of stuff. And I did that and then basically got a guy called Jim Young, a very, the sales manager, basically bust his door down every day, asking him when he was going to give me a sales job. And then I went from there. So I was headhunted by FedEx because of my sales track in DHL. Okay. And Fed, I was a second employee of FedEx. And what happened in FedEx was I went in selling and I sold uh, so many parcels that I filled the plane and they couldn't give us another plane. So I became general manager uh, because we basically because we couldn't get another plane. And that's how I get into management. And to be honest with you, again, another man in my life, I suppose everybody needs these people. Paul Murray uh, gave me a chance in FedEx to become a manager when I had no managing experience other than uh, that I kind of knew how to fill a plane up with parcels. So, thanks. So, uh, and what year was this? In the was this the nineties? In the yeah, in the eighties. In the eighties. Yeah. Okay, wow. And in Ireland in the eighties was it, like I would imagine that it was pretty uh, competitive with the kind of the the national provider. Was that just opening up? Was that kind of? Yeah, to be honest with you, Impost is the same. You know, it's the same today with Impost. You know, that they're, they're there. They're a good company. They're a good carrier for what they do. Right, and they've got a different marketplace than, than us, and uh, you know the, the 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 essential part of that really is that they still have an advantage over us because they've got this postal authority uh, regulation that allows them to move things without the full customs clearance process that we have to do. But that ends in June, and then it'll be a level playing field from June onwards. So, so that'll be interesting when that uh, when that gives us because that'll give us more opportunities. But. But I have a great admiration for Unpost uh, and the way that they go about their business. That they are a, a well-run company and uh, and they know what they're doing and they know where their marketplace is. Absolutely. And when you're working for FedEx, was that a, a good learning experience for you working for a big American company? Did you kind of kind of take some stuff from there that maybe you weren't getting in the Ireland and the UK area? Yeah. Was it kind of different? Well, I, I, to be honest, yeah, look, I think in every job, I suppose there's nobody can say that they went to a job and they didn't learn it, learn something from it. If they did, then they were, had their eyes closed and their ears closed, which is very foolish. Mm-hmm. But I learned things in FedEx about quality and service. And, and uh, you know, FedEx really, truly uh, taught its employees to believe, right, that they were the best of the best. And, and their service level had to be the quality at the top end. They wouldn't, you know, they'd never accept failure as an example as being something that was within their control, then they fixed it and they wanted to deliver it. Now, the unfortunate thing for FedEx was that the cost of doing that was far too expensive for the amount of money they were getting for the parcels. So as I say, they, their, their P&L, I, didn't, I never saw their P&L because uh, it was always in America. It was one of the things about them. But I would say the P&L was pretty frightening if uh, because of that strategy. But um, and then when I went to Parcel Line then, and opened here, then I went the exact opposite. I had a 
35 line PL every week that was scrutinized by my boss to how much money I spent in electricity as if I turned the light bulbs on and off myself. So that was a different experience then, but again, a good one because it does teach you, right, that the pennies count and there's a small detail matter and that you need to get into that to be able to understand your cost base and your business well. So you can grow as fast as you like, but if your costs are growing faster than your revenue, you're in big trouble. So that was my education there. So. Absolutely. So it's been a mixture of different places, to be honest with you, that I've to end up where I am now. It's funny as well, like when you're sometimes when you're working in, in a place, you don't realize that's all going to stand to you and what you're going to do next, even if it seems stressful or annoying or something like that. Um, yeah. like, well, I remember in, uh, in parcel in the first couple of weeks, you had to report the, the week previous P and L by twelve o'clock on a Tuesday, and it was thirty-eight lines. Right, so you had to have your number. So you had purchase orders and everything that you had to get on the system done, closed off. I mean, it was like manic stuff, right? Just trying to get it in. You know, you never even uh, really truly understood all the numbers. You just had to meet this 12 o'clock deadline. And if you didn't send it, then basically all hell broke loose, right? So you sent it at 12 o'clock. So again, another lesson. But we've taken that lesson in our business. An example, I know my uh, P&L for last week on the Tuesday, the following week. Right, and, and and that's a cost. That's a fabulous thing when you're in a very sensitive cost business. Absolutely. So, I so think it's, a good, it's been a good lesson. I think Mark Baker learned that lesson as well because of his accounting uh, background. His, uh, I'm sure you're on top of the counts, Mark, more than maybe a lot of recruiting businesses. What do you think? Yeah, no, definitely. At the time when I was auditing funds in uh, in in a big four firm, it wasn't as enjoyable, but. Uh, Definitely, all all those exams definitely stand to me as as a uh, you know running a business at the moment, um, having to analyze my own P and L and balance sheet at board meetings and stuff like that. I feel sorry for people who who haven't been exposed to accounting one way or another because it's it's not easy. I still struggle with my debits and credits, and that's after you know <laughs> three year training contract. Yeah. But uh, yeah, now it's important, very very important. See, I was going to educate myself in accounting. Then I realized all three of my brother-in-laws are all accountants. So I'm going to lean on that if I ever need uh, some advice there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty handy. So yeah. You guys can scrutinize my books. Um, okay. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, Des, what, like if you, so the, what you're in charge of is the, just the, the, the Irish uh, arm of this, this business is DVD uh, UK. You mentioned that it's owned by France as well. Do you are yeah. you are you pretty much autonomous in in Ireland to kind of run the business on, on your own, or do you have to? What's the, the relationship with the the owner? So, so I report so I report into the CEO of DPD UK, Dwayne McDonald, right? Who's I would classify as my mentor, nice. right? And certainly a very good sounding board, and uh, and yeah, he's been fabulous and uh, very uh, intense guy, very very much on his game, and a, a lot of the things that I brought in here. Is basically I've learned through him and from him in terms of there. But we effectively, we, we both report uh, then into uh, La Poste Group in France. And and basically, I see the guys in France three times a year, effectively. So I see them once for the conference, which this year is virtual, which has saved me going to Paris for two days. Uh, I see them once to agree the budget for the following year, which again is two days in France agreeing the budget. And then I see them the final time to hand them a cheque uh, and as long as I go with a nice size check to them every year, then I get to do it again the following year. So, uh, so that's it's my, pretty straightforward. My, I like that. I, I like that idea. I like yeah, that. Yeah, and it's autonomy, <laughs> and it's but it's basically the, you know they have 
So just put it into perspective, with 27 companies, you know, we're a 11 billion euro uh, company, right, in terms of the episode of We're usually either number one or number two in our own marketplaces, and we'll get businesses as far as South Africa, Russia, uh, you, you name it, across the globe we are. We haven't actually done all of Asia yet, but we're certainly spreading into Asia now, and uh, and we're moving uh, a rate of knots. And, and, you know, some of the businesses that we purchased and that were bought, and then other businesses were started afresh, but and mainly in the offshore area, we basically bought a business and then built on it from there. So, I think so. I like the idea of the the uh, autonomy in Ireland as well. We've got like we've got usually at this stage of the the conversation, we jump into our uh, lightning round or our um, our quick fire answer. Mark Baker's kind of party piece here um, in on the Shark Pod. These 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 questions they don't have to be like crazy uh, quick answers, and they usually aren't. So. Feel free to to expand as much as you want. Mark Baker's got a list of burning questions that he's going to share with us today on the Shark Pod. Where, where we start here, Mark? We start off nice, nice and easy. What apps on your phone do you use the most? Uh, Apte and Ulster Bank. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's a quick answer. I like Very it. Good. I like it. Yeah, um, for the news and Ulster Bank to see what's happened to my bank account, which uh, <laughs> generally is not me. I may add. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> okay. Um, what time do you get up at in the morning and what time do you go to bed? I got up about uh, between half six and seven o'clock in the morning and generally working by about quarter past eight, half eight. And uh, I generally go to bed when I'm exhausted or knack up tonight. And different weekdays are different than weekends. And probably 10 o'clock, I would think, probably is a normal bedtime uh, during the week for me. And as you can see, it's now quarter to seven and we're still working at this yeah. time it's not unusual um is it is it who, who you know or is it what you know both equally well, maybe not equally probably what you know like you know I, I always struggle with this type of thing because it kind of so when I hire somebody and I'm going looking, so you're in the recruitment industry as an example, right? When I'm hiring somebody, right, I'm hiring solely on the attitude of the person that comes in the door, right? I don't care what your qualification is. I don't care if you have a degree or you're an accountant or you're anything else, right? If you walk in that door and you've got the right attitude, I'll give you a hearing right in there. So, so for me, as I said to you already in the podcast, I had different people at different times that gave me a leg up in my career, and I think everybody has people in, in that there. And I'd like to think that I've done that to quite a lot of people in my own organization. But but don't come in and waste my time. Don't come in and sit down in front of me and think to me, right, what's DPD going to do for me? Right, where where can I see my career going in five years' time? Well, if you're asking me that question, you're not for me. Because the alternative, the real question you should be asking is, how can I bust my chops here, right, so that I'm your next whatever position it is they want to be. So that's the difference, and that's... Yeah, so I think that probably answers the question better than uh, who you know or what you know. It's not important. Absolutely. Very good. Hey, Mark, this, I got this... I got I got one I like to drop in there. I know this isn't, okay. isn't our usual thing, right? But uh, I was thinking about this earlier today because I was talking to somebody, um, and they're going for uh, a, a big promotion into it, obviously it's a smaller company than DVD, but uh, they're going for like a chief, uh, not chief exec, executive, chief uh, operations st- uh, style role. Um, and they're coming from a sales background and they're great at sales. They love this, the whole uh, selling thing. They do very well 
do you know? And it's a little bit like they can, you know, Friday is kind of a half day sometimes, you know, in this this person's life. Is um, this you, Luke? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love sales. I want to get. No. <laughs> it was the half day thing. It was the half day on Friday. No, um, my my point is like, would you? What would you say to those people if they were going to step into the like a, a chief role? Is there? Is it for everybody? Because that's what everyone's kind of trying to get to uh, the CEO role. Um, or is it sometimes if you're making good money as an individual uh, contributor, is that is that uh, is that okay too? Because a lot of people don't think that's okay. Well, it's interesting. First of all, again, it depends on the person and the drive and the motivation and what's behind them. Right, and the, and the reason he'll either be successful or he'll fail in that is how much desire he's got to actually make it work and achieve it and make it successful. So whether it's a salesman or an operator or whatever, right, it'll be what's within him, right, actually. And and if he thinks that actually the outside elements will determine that he's wrong, the internal elements of himself will determine how successful he is or where, or where he goes. The second thing is. It is a hard jump for a salesperson to go move over to operations, right? There's always this yin and yang, right, in every business, right? And one of the things that I've had to learn over, and my sales team will laugh at this, right, but there is that you have to be a certain type of individual to be a great salesperson, right? And you have to be a little bit selfish, right? It doesn't work if you're not, right? And uh, and this is a hard thing to uh, for people. Most salespeople will go, oh, my God, what's he talking about there? But it is, right? Because you're on your own most of the day, and the only person that will determine your success is you out doing your role on every day. So if you're not selfish and you're not nailing it every day, then you ain't going to make it, and that's it. Now, when you move into an operations role and you take that attitude into operations, right, you're going to fall on your face, right, because you need a team, Right, and you need to be a team player, and you need to be very good at bringing people along with you and rolling with you. And when the chips are down, you need people that are going to back you and going to work with you. And there are the differences between the two. So it's an adaptable person that knows where they're going and that change. And if you can do the two of them very well, so if you can actually do remember the sales bit when you're in front of a customer, right? But you can do the operations bit when you're in front of your operations team, then you've got a great chance of success. Great. I'll pass that on. I'll pass it on. Anyway, Mark, sorry for interrupting. Mark, will, um, I, get, will I get a fee for that, Mark? <laughs> yeah. That's the salesman in him. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd actually like to, I'd like to ask, ask a question. What, what would be some of the kind of key skill sets that you need to be a CEO of, of a really, really large company? You'd be very well organized. That's one of the things, you know, you can... You know, I, one of the things that I did when I came into DVD, I formed my own analytical team. Right? And, I, and I, we actually had a very good uh, guy there, Owen Boyle, who works for me now, right? And he's now got a team, but he was on his own, and we've now got a team of seven, right? Analysts that are working out because if you want to make good decisions, you need good information. And to have good information, you need good data, right? And if you don't have that and you don't be able to get that out of your business, right, then you're in trouble because you're making decisions on the hoof or not with the full information you've got. So so one of the things I'd say to you is that you need to be well organized and you need to know what questions to ask and you need to be comfortable that when you're making a decision, you've got all the things in front of you that are right to make that decision and then be confident in yourself to make the decision and, and take your business forward. Very good. Um, okay. If you could advise somebody to learn one skill, 
what would it be? It would be how to bring people with you that are not necessarily your flavor of the month. <laughs> I like that one as well. So, you know, okay, so let's break that down for the listeners. So bring people along with that flavor. Okay, so that, that means working, getting the best out of people when you're not, you're not going out for pints afterwards maybe, but. Just accept that everybody can't be, right, the ideal person that you want them to be, right? And they come with a personality that, okay, you might want to change it, but you can't change it. So you accept the personality and then you work around that, right, to make sure that you get out of the person what you want from them. See, I love that answer, Mark. That's that's the one that we have never had before. So I like that one. Yeah. Hey, Mark, two more questions for Des before we let him get back to his cup of tea here. Okay. Um, is there any book that you'd recommend to maybe the the 18-year-old Des or, or somebody young in their career to help them on their way? Um, any particular book? I've, or even one that just had an impact on, on you? Well, I tell you, I, I remember um, I could. <laughs> I remember reading all the GE books, right? When I was trying to become uh, move up the ladder myself, right? So the GE model at the time, back in the eighties and the early nineties, right, was one of that sort of was well recognised as being, you know, it's a hard cut thrust uh, management uh, tool that you had to deliver. You had to get be number one or two in the country. I haven't read a book recently. Uh, to be honest with you, I tend to now read autobiographies and sports books, right, rather than actually business books. So I haven't read a book that I could say to you that I would definitely say to somebody, an 18-year-old, to read, right, and actually to uh, to push through. Uh, I have to say, if I was recommending any read for MD, it would be Bill Shankly's book uh, on how he ran the football club. And I think there's a lot of management things in there um, that you can take out of it as long as you take it in a football context. So... That that would I mean I've read that book probably three or four times, but just yeah. for the pleasure of uh, of, of uh, what he achieved and how he achieved it and and and, and how he went uh, forward with it. So so I, that would be my recommendation. I was actually thinking of a football manager. Um, that kind of analogy in, in the last question actually it, it it kind of rings true. The kind of things you were saying. Um, I think that's all our questions. We we've done them all, Luke. There is just one more question, Mark. Oh hey, yeah. So Des. Would you prefer a shark pot mug, <laughs> shark pot mug, mug, or a t-shirt that looks like this? Well, I definitely take the t-shirt rather than the mug. Thank you very right. much. So, okay, like yeah. I said, there is some delivery issues that uh, we're gonna have to iron out <laughs> after this, but we will get that to you. We'll uh, figure out the logistics after afterwards. Des, thank you so much for joining us on the shark pot tonight. It was so interesting to get an insight into something that's just it's it's impacting on people's lives and during the covid stuff and i think that it's not going away anytime soon so thank you very much for your time tonight and i uh, hope hope you uh, see you soon okay thank you guys nice to meet you nice to meet you thanks